my mind about you. You were the, you were the rock then and you're the rock now. And I want to make you stronger, Peter. I want you to use your, your story of denying me. I want you to use your story of failing. I want you to use your story of letting me down, saying, but I know a God who's great. He's full of grace. Hello and welcome to the Building Christian Fellowship Podcast. We are very excited that you have decided to tune in today and pray you are blessed by today's message. One thing's for sure is that the starting line is for everybody. The starting line says, hey, you know what? Everybody can come. Everybody can start. Everybody can start. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I, I attend at my gym. It, it has that beginning of the year feeling, you know, because it's the beginning of the year. All those New Year's resolution people are like, you know, I'm going to get fit in 2017. This is my year for greatness, and I'm going to be, you know, so the, the gym is crowded, you know. So, you know, I, you know I'm, people kind of, you know, think they're tight, and I'm like, I've been here. Okay, I've been here like 2016 it was like toward the end of 2016 but I've been here <laughs> and now they're crowding my space you know I have my favorite barbell I'm not able because somebody grabbed it some new starting line person grabbed it but the thing is that we all know that as time goes on things thin back out because the starting line is for everyone but the finish line is only for those with a heart for the finish everybody can start but everybody not, may not have a heart to finish Everybody can say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to run a 5K. You know, we, it, it's fun. You know, we're all getting our, our, our friends together. I did a 5K before. It was like a, a called a color run or something like that. And there was groups of friend that got, friends that got together. They had costumes. You could tell who was together. Like, oh, they're all together because they're all wearing tutus. Okay, I see that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's nice. Oh, they all have an army theme. Okay, they must be together. So the thing is that it's fun to start something together. It's fun. It's like, yay! But there is something different about finishing together because as you begin to begin start the race it's fun Woo, we're doing it together but in the midst of the race there's something that happens because our individuality kind of takes shape and takes form I've started a 5k with some friends before and I saw them on the other side I had no idea what happened to them <laughs> I didn't know if they were behind me or in front of me all I know is look I gotta finish I don't have time to be talking to you guys because I'm one of those people, Erica will tell you, I'm not fun to work out with because, well, at the gym. At the gym now, I, I, I do a lot of talking. Jenny will tell you. I'm, like, coaching everybody. I'm, like, yeah. I'm, like, come on, let's do these burpees. Make I do that. But that's new. That's new, though. That's new. But when I used to go to, like, in shape and stuff like that, it was literally, like, don't talk to me. I'm embracing my pain. And, and Erica would be, like, you're not fun to work out with. You don't talk. I'm, like, it's because I have to embrace the pain. If I'm not going to embrace the pain, I'm not going to do it. Either I'm going to talk or I'm going to work out. Like, I can't do both. Because I, like, I, I have to stop and, talk, and focus on talking. So instead, I'm like, no, I'm going to just keep working, you know, and wherever, wherever you're at, whatever set you're on, okay, I'll see you at the end because I got to get through this. And so that's what happens in a race. We may start together, but those that finish are those that have the heart of the finish in them. Like you literally have to want it. It's important for us to know, like, what's in our heart. Because we can say things all the time. We say things all the time. People take selfies. I'm on my way to the gym. I mean, but no one's taking videos in the midst of the sweat. I mean, when sweat is like burning your eyeballs, no one's like saying, you know what we should do? We should take a selfie right here. We should like, we should get the, the phone out and show everybody what we're doing. No. Everybody's like, dude, I'll see you at the end. I'll see you when it's over. And then maybe, you know, we'll wipe our face and take a selfie afterwards. That's what we do, actually. But it, in the midst of it, you're focusing on the finish. Because if you're not thinking about the finish, then you're thinking about quitting. Honestly, think about it. What's occupying that space? 
Is it thoughts of the finish or is it thoughts of quitting? So today is the title of today's message is, what's in your wallet? It's the title of today's message, what's in your wallet? Now, a lot of these super Christians will tell you that if I say, hey, what is spiritual currency? What is the spiritual currency of, the, you know, of our Christian life? A lot of people will say, well, spiritual currency is our faith. You know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the only thing that pleases God. Faith is our spiritual currency. It's what we, you know, it's what we use. But I, I want to, and I don't, I don't disagree with that. Okay, yes, faith is all of those things. But today I want to talk about your core your heart, your passion. It's at the core of you that not only allows you to start a thing, but it also allows you to finish a thing, all right? So today I'm going to talk about your spiritual currency, which is your core. So what's in your wallet? A lot of times people will show up, you know, they, they drive up in a nice car. It might be their mama's car. You know, show up in a really nice outfit. They might have borrowed it from their best friend. They sit down and they think they're all that. And what if someone comes up to you and be like, you know what, you look good. I really like that car you drove up in. Let me see your bank statement what? I'm sorry. Come again? It's very invasive. But what's in your wallet? Like really what's at the core of you? Not who you're pretending to be, not your facade, not what you put everything together, patched everything up to make it look good because, hey, we don't know what's going on on the inside of you. So what's in the core? What's on the, going on on the inside? What's in your wallet? Now, come on up here, Pastor um, John. I want you to demonstrate some stuff for me. I want to tell you guys a story about weightlifting. So at my gym, we, we, we lift weights. We work with weights a lot. And so I started this six-week um, six challenge. So within six weeks, you had to lose 20 pounds, okay? In the midst of that, you had to work out. See, all my girls that work out with me, they're looking at me like, we know what you're talking about. Okay, so at six weeks, you have to work out. You have to eat um, a very um, strict diet and things like that. So now the first week, um, it, it wasn't too bad. I'm like, okay, you know what? I think I can do this. Second week, I'm like, ah, uh, feeling a little shaky, you know, uh, feeling a little heavy. Uh, okay. Third week, it's like, okay, you think anybody will notice if I quit? Like, I wonder how many people, <laughs> I'm like, how, I wonder how many people were actually paying attention that I started. Because maybe if they didn't, I can just act like I never started and I can quit. <laughs> but so by the fourth week, it's like, you know what? God, if you just give me the grace to do it, I'll show up every day. Like, if you just infuse me with strength uh, from on high, like, I'll, I won't quit. And that's what happened on the fourth week. I literally was like, almost like sleepwalking, like, hi. <laughs> like, that's who I was on the fourth week. Well, the fifth week, I started feeling a little bit stronger. And it's like, you know what? I think I can do this. And by the sixth week, I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm going to rock this. You know what I'm going to do? I'm not coming in for a crash landing. I'm going to land this baby, like, so smooth. Like, watch out. Okay? That's where I was six weeks. Okay. So here's the story. Six weeks. Okay. Give me some Romanian deadlifts. Okay, so six weeks, what happens is Pastor John would work out with me two week, two days a week, okay? So now, <clears throat> no, Romanian deadlifts is bent legs. There you go. Okay, so, so two days a week he would come work out with me. It was really encouraged me when Pastor John would show up because he's really strong, and I look up to him a lot. He has a lot of strength, right? So this particular day, okay, give me just some plain deadlifts. So this particular day, they said par partner up, okay? So when you partner up, you share the weight. And I said, you know what? I'm going to work out with him. He's going to be my partner today. He's like, ah, he's lifting some heavy weight. I'm like, no, six weeks. <laughs> I can do that. This is my sixth week. May I remind you, this is not week one. This is week six, baby. I'm going to do this. All right, give me some push presses. So, so he's working out, right? So as he's doing the weights, the partner is supposed to do the cardio. 
the mountain climbers, the burpees, the, the, you know, the seated twists, you know, and I'm watching him the whole time. I'm like, okay, now the weight he was, okay, you can take a break. Thank you. Thank you very much. You guys, give him a hand. Give him a hand. <clears throat> So <clears throat> now this particular day, it wasn't light. Like that's very light. But the weight he was working with was heavy, right? But you have to do it in a cardio type fashion. You have to do it over and over again. Like you literally do a, a bunch of reps. You don't stop until like 30, 35 seconds. Until the buzzer goes off, you're constantly doing it. You're going and you keep your rhythm, okay? So that's what was happening. So as we're, as for those 35 seconds that I'm doing cardio, I'm looking at him and he's focused. He's like, ah, and he's, and I'm like, and I'm getting pumped up. I'm like, yeah. I'm about to, week six, baby, I'm about, to, oh, I'm about to rock these weights. They don't know. They don't know, right? <clears throat> so that's what was going on in my head. So um, even though everybody's like, you know what, maybe you should do a lighter weight, you know, Pastor John, I'm like, week six. Anyway, so I get on the weights. I, wanna, I just want to make a disclaimer. I finished, okay? I did it. I did it. Thank you. Yeah. All right? Short-lived celebration. I did it. I did not quit, okay? I mean, I did it. I mean, I even walked out of class like, hey, guys, nice workout. See you guys, right? But it wasn't until I got home, and Raquel Johnson can tell you because I tried to work, actually, here at the office that day. I literally could not move. I could not get out of my chair. My back was like, dude, we're out. We don't know where you're at, but we're out. We're gone. <laughs> my back left me. It was so bad to the point where I was praying on my to drive home. I didn't know how I made it home. And then... Pastor John had to carry me up the stairs. He had to carry me to the bathroom. And the whole time he was carrying me, I'm, in, I'm screaming in pain. I am, my back was like, dude, deuces. So the, the point is that I'm trying to make is, even though I was at week six, Pastor John was at like week 1,423 because he's been working with that kind of weight, weight all the time. But because I had it in my mind, I had it in my heart, like, dude, this is week six. Like, this is, I'm different, okay? I'm strong now. I can do whatever he's doing. That it, uh, it allowed me to hurt myself. Because the thing is that what we need to realize is that if you don't strengthen your core, I don't care what weight you're trying to weight lift, eventually you're going to get hurt, and it's going to take you out the game. And the thing is that I'm comparing this to ministry. Because sometimes people can be like, dude, I've been a Christian for six months. Whatever Pastor John's doing, whatever weight he's lifting, whatever he's bench pressing, whatever he's Romanian debt, dude, I can do it too. I've been here six months. This isn't week one, month one. This is month six. I can lift whatever weight Pastor Kaya's lifting. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the, what I'm trying to ask you today is what's in your wallet? How strong is your core? How strong is your passion to really not only start a thing but to finish a thing? Psalms 139, verse 23, it says this, amplified version. It says, search me thoroughly, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. What's really on the inside of me? Not just what I'm saying, not just what I'm portraying to other people, but God, really, what's going on in me? What's my anxious thoughts? What are those things? What's that bait that the enemy can constantly use over and over and over again to allow me to be drawn off off my path, off, you know, off into sin? What can lure me away from God? What's inside of me? Every once in a while, we have to ask ourselves, I need to check my core. What's in my wallet? What's going on on the inside of me? Being able to allow God to search you and know you, it's intimacy. Anybody can come to church every Sunday. Anybody does. Lots of people do. They're like, yes, I am a Christian, but what's going on on the inside of me, of them? 
Because the thing is that a lot of people come to church, but a lot of people don't allow God intimacy with them. Intimacy is something very different. Intimacy, it means into me. See, into me. Intimacy is saying, God, look at me thoroughly. I'm not coming to just be entertained by the worship team. I'm not coming for the pastor to just make say a word to encourage me and make me feel good. No, God, allow that word to search into me and see what are my inner thoughts. What's going on inside of me? What are my, what are, what's that anxiety? What's those anxious things? What's that bait that continually lures me away from you into me? See, and when God, when you show it to me, you know what I want to do? I want to address it, and I want to change it. One of the things that, that, that helps about being able to see what's going on with us is fasting. I'm not sure if any of you have gone off on somebody, maybe called somebody something, maybe yelled at your kids because fasting can do that. You know why? Because it draws all those impurities to the surface. What you were really good at hiding before, what you were really good at suppressing before, well, fasting kind of lets it all come out because your flesh is like, I'm dead. I I can't. (laughs) I can't cover up anything. I need meat. (laughs) So, so, So when your flesh is down and vulnerable, all those things kind of come to the surface. It's like when you boil impure water. You boil it so the impurities can float to the top and you're able to scrape it away. Well, it's the same thing when we're fasting. It allows the impurity, those impure thoughts, those negative ways, those things that are not like Christ to kind of rise to the surface and kind of show its ugly head out of nowhere so that you can see it and address it and scrape it away. Amen? How many times have we vowed our love to God. I don't know how many times I've stood at this altar and said things like, God, take everything. I'm yours. God, whatever you want to do, God, I'm wa- I want to do it. God, I want to I live like you did. I want to suffer like you did. God, I want to do the miracles you did. I want to I do whatever it is that you did. God, take me. I'm yours. I am your sacrifice. I've said it many times with snot coming down my face. I don't know if you guys seen that movie, Fences. Snot. There's a snot, th- there's a snot th- um, scene. I won't tell you guys about it. Anyway, when I said snot, it just reminded me of it. But I'm at this altar, I'm snotting, I'm praying, I'm crying, and I'm saying, God, whatever you want to do, God, I want to do it. But it was when something happened, and I'd be like, hold on, whoa, whoa, that's a little bit too hard. Wait, what's happening? No, 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 I don't do that. No, that's too hard. Jeremiah 17 and 9, Amplified Version, it says this, the heart is deceitful above all things, and it is extremely sick. Who can understand it fully and know its secret motives? Following God after God is not for the faint or the weak. The pursuit of God gets daunting sometimes, not because of him, because he's good. He's good, he's faithful, he's kind, he's long-suffering, he's patient, he's, you know, he's all those things. It's because of the reps. You know what I'm saying? It's because of the reps. It's just, it's just the, it's the lifting over and over and over again, and you getting tired and the weight's getting heavy and you're serving over and over and over again and no one's saying thank you and no one's even noticing that you're the only one showing up dude and you're doing it over and over again it's not God that makes it hard it's the reps that makes it hard because sometimes we have to check what's our self-talk sound like like what's going on in our head I know when I'm at the gym and lately I've been doing it out loud I've decided to share my self-talk with others I've decided to amplify it. So my self-talk is very important to me because when I first started, my self-talk was, why are you here? My self-talk was, you're not like them. Look at her. She's probably been doing this for years. You don't belong here. Go to bed. 
it's cold in here. <laughs> I mean, all kinds of things. That's what my self-talk is, was on week one. But what I had to realize that if, in order to have a heart to finish, I had to change my self-talk. I, didn't, I, had, I, didn't, I couldn't wait for the coach to come by and be like, come on, Kaya, you can do this. No, because sometimes he wasn't there. Or sometimes he was busy working with the other weak people. So I had to use my self-talk to make me stronger. I had to self-talk myself because I knew if I don't want to stay at this level, then I got to talk myself into having a heart to finish. So every time I'm lifting the rep and it seems like it's getting heavier and it looks like everybody else is quitting around me because they're saying, this is hard. Don't you think this is hard? Did he just say 40 burpees? Are you going to do that? I don't think we should do that. 40 burpees? Seriously? Come on. Dude, I'm already on 13. Like, my self-talk is, dude, I'm bigger than this, I'm bigger, better than this, and I'm living for this moment. I came here for this, and I'm going to get some. Your self-talk is very important to how you finish or if you even finish at all. If you, if you decide you want to pair with the enemy, you and the enemy are going to be sawhops or partners or what do they say now? Partners. They want to be cutties. I mean, that's what they used to say back in my day. You know, I'm just <laughs> back in my day. Back in my day, we was cutties. Okay, but if you decide you want to partner up with the enemy and tell you your own self what you can't do, then yeah, you're not going to have a heart for the finish. But if you want to side with God, if you want to side with God, the, 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 the side that says you're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, you're above and not beneath, you're a victor and not a victim, if you want to side with that, then baby, you need to start checking your self-talk. What's the cure for a deceitful heart that continues to tell me what I'm not and what I can't do? Well, what's the cure for that? Well, one of the things that we're doing now is fasting, bringing your flesh into subjection. God said, I'll give you a heart of stone for a heart of flesh. I'll give you a heart of flesh, your heart of stone for a heart of flesh. Basically, meaning I'll trade you your stone deep heart for a heart of flesh. I can't get it out for some reason. Anyway, so it's, we have a heart of flesh. God's given us a heart of flesh. Why is it that we're able to take the seed of the word and allow it to be planted in our heart? Because before, we couldn't receive the truth. Why? Because we had a heart of stone. That's what happens when we're unsaved and we're reprobate and whatever. So heart of stone basically means it's still flesh. What do you do with flesh? You bring it into subjection. You buffet it. Don't take it to the buffet. You buffet it. You buffet your flesh. You tell your flesh what you're going to do. Today, I'm going to get up at 4.30 in the morning. I'm going to go to that cold warehouse, and we're going to work out. Yes, yes, we are. Ye yes, we are. Shut up. Yes, we are. <laughs> That's what happens in the morning. I'm in the mirror like, yes, we are. You shut up right now. Yes, we are. Yes, we Put your pants on. Put your pants on right now. Put your pants on. You have to buffet your flesh. You have to tell your flesh what to do. Because the thing is that if you allow your flesh to, to remain that two-year-old saying, I don't want to. No, I want a lollipop. <laughs> like, sooner or later, you have to move beyond that stage. If you don't realize that's who your flesh is, your flesh is this random, out-of-control toddler. And God is waiting for you to bring it into subjection. I don't know about you, but I can't stand bad kids. If anybody's wondering why you haven't gotten an invitation back to my house, maybe it's because you have bad kids. I'm just saying. I'm just going to put that, that clue out there. Okay? It's like, dude, do something with your kid. <laughs> have you guys ever seen people that are looking at you like, I don't want to spank them. I'm like, you want me to spank them? Or <laughs> you want me to spank them? But that's our flesh. It's no one else's job to bring your flesh into subjection. 
It's no one else's job to discipline your flesh and tell your flesh what you're going to do. It's your job. Check yourself talk. Talk to your kids. Get them in order. Get them in line before they come to my house. Okay, Galatians 2 and 20. Let's turn there. Amplified. It says this. I have been crucified with Christ. That is in him. I have shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith, by adhering to, relying on, and completely trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Listen, I can't compare anything in my life, any sufferings that I have, I can't compare it with the sufferings that Christ has suffered for my behalf. But I know one thing that I can do. I can bring my flesh into subjection for him. I can be a righteous vessel for him. I can be healthy so that I can pray for the sick. I know I can be strong so I can help raise up and bring up and nurture the weak. I can do that for him. I can be whole in my body as well as in my mind and in my spirit because to me, it's, it's, it's similar. Whenever I'm working out, it's spiritual to me because I feel like my flesh reminds me of what's going on on the inside of me. I have so many reasons as to why I don't want to do something. But the main reason as to why I want to do it is because I want to give God glory. And that needs to be enough for me. And the fact that it's not enough for me, then I have to check my wallet. Like what's going on in the core of me that I don't feel like glorifying God in my body, my mind, and my soul is not enough. It needs to be enough. It's the constant crucifixion of our flesh that brings our heart into subjection with Christ. That is the cure for our sick and deceptive hearts. The cost of intimacy. There's a cost to it. There's a cost to allowing God to look into you. Because now, what are you going to do about it? When God allows the impurities to to float to the top, now what? Are you going to be like, oh, yeah, that looks a mess. Oh, yeah, that looks bad. You guys ever, like, went into somebody's house and all the first thing you think is, this place is a hot mess. And it smells funny. But you don't know them like that, so you just, you're like, mm, I'm so happy to be here. That's like all you can get out. But when you're a real friend, you're like, girl, this, this, this house is a mess, and it smells funny. Well, then how do they respond is based on what they want to do about it. Well, now are you no longer their friend because you told them the truth and you shut the door and say, never come back to my house? No. But how many times have we done that to Christ? When he walks in and says, this place is a mess. You know all those women you laid with? Yeah, they left stuff in here. And it smells funny. Yeah. So how many times have we kicked him out and said, you know what? You're not my friend. Close the door. Never come back again. Because I like my hot mess. We need to check our wallets. I like to use Apostle Peter as an example because I really like Peter. I really like Peter because I feel like I'm Peter. And I feel like you're Peter. I really feel like all of us are Peter. Like we all have Peter moments. I really like the way we're able to just see Peter from the beginning to the end, his transition, all kind of things that he went through. I really feel like his life ministers to us a lot, and it can minister to us a lot. So I want us to turn to John chapter 13, verses 37 through 38. I want to give you a little background before you turn there. Like, no one turns there. Yeah, this is, okay. Because you guys are on the board. Okay, fine. Back in the day, back in my day. Okay, everybody would start turning the pages. 
Now, I bet if we do a Bible challenge, I'll be like, show me where Matthew is. Show me where Titus is. Like, y'all won't know because y'all just, anyway. Okay. <coughs> anyway, okay, so John chapter 13, verse 37 and 38, here's the background story. So Jesus is basically saying, hey, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to die soon, and I, I got to go. So Peter, being the soldier savage that he is, you know, really when I think of Peter, I think of the men of TBCF because there's no soft men at TBCF. Like, we're all, like, manly men. I really think we should give our strong men a hand. I love, <coughs> yes, yes. They're still working on their little call and response thing, but that's okay. We love our strong men because they're manly men. We like that. So when I think of Peter, like, I see him like our guy. Like, he's like, he's like real. No, what is it? No chase. No mix. No chase. No chase. Yeah, no straight lace. No chase. That's, like, that's how I see Peter. He was just rough around the edges, you know? He probably was like, shower, what, whatever. No, our men aren't like that. Anyway, okay, so here, that's the background story on Peter. So look, P Jesus is telling Peter he has to leave soon, okay? So Jesus, and then Peter says, you know what? If you die, I die, because we're ride or die. That's what Peter was saying. Look, ride or die, me and you. That's who we are. You go, I go. Whatever. We're, we're together forever. So Jesus replied and said, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord, he asked. I'm ready to die for you. That's the savage. Ugh, ooh, there it is. Jesus answered, die for me. Now, this is funny. I want to say this real quick. I believe that Jesus' face was really funny on this part when he said, die for me. Because I feel like it's every time heaven comes to me and say, mom, do you want to get a new car? I can buy you one because I have money in my piggy bank. Like, I feel like it's like that same face that Jesus had right here. Like, when it's like, die for me. Okay. I tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. You will deny three times that you even know me. He, Jesus went there. there. That was that moment of, Jesus, Peter, your house stinks, and it's a mess. Like, that was that moment, moment where, Peter, where Jesus was like, you know what, I'm going to just tell you the truth. But that's why I like Peter so much, because Peter really meant what he said. He really meant it. Peter's heart was the same as my heart when I stand before this altar all the time and I'm like, God, take everything. I don't want it. I don't need it. Peter's heart is the same as mine. I really mean it with all my, with the depths of my soul. And I really believe that Peter meant it with the depths of his soul. Jesus, whatever weight you're lifting, Jesus, I want to lift it too. However, wherever you're going, Jesus, I want to go too. Jesus, if you're dying, I want to die too. This is week six, six, Jesus. Where you go, I go. How many of us feel like that? A lot of us, and we mean it. But just like Peter, there were occasions that I considered the cost more than I wanted to give or that I could give. Jesus responded with, not only will you not die for me, but you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. I believe it is very significant that Jesus chose a rooster's crow. Now, back in that day, roosters were all over the place. Whatever, no big deal. Roosters, okay, yeah, whatever. But roosters signify different things. They, they, they signify a new day, a new beginning, time to get up, time to wake up, time to open your eyes. And I believe it wasn't the first time that Jesus, that Peter denied him that he remembered anything. I don't even think he remembered that he told Jesus or the conversation with Jesus even the second time. But it was something about the third time. Why? Because the rooster crowed. Now, I just want to make this clear. All the disciples scattered. When Jesus was being crucified and he was getting beat up and, and tortured and all that stuff, 
all the disciples had scattered except for John. Peter, it said that Peter followed from afar, which means Peter was like in the back behind a bush like, what? No, I don't know him. What? Who are you? No, I don't know. The Bible said that Peter followed from afar. So Peter probably already said in his heart, because his heart's already talking him out of stuff and talking him into things. He's like, dude, everybody else ran. At least he's here. It's okay. I don't have to do all that. I don't have to be all in there with him. It's fine. I'm fine where I'm at. I can see him behind the bush. I can see him. He's a little, that's good. The heart was already busy talking him out of things and talking him into things and talking all kinds of comparison and um, just things, you know, just different things. Like, you're fine where you're at. And that's a lot of us. But it was the third time. When he denied him the third time. And the Bible says that he even cursed the third time. Oh, Peter went back to Simon. Because, you know, his, his name changed from Simon to Peter. Peter was the new man. Remember, Jesus said, I'll call you Peter, Petra, which means rock. Old Simon went back to Simon. That third time, he really let it hit home. He was like, not only am I a dab, I'm a dab and twist. Take that. Don't come back and ask me again. And that's when the rooster crowed. And that's when he remembered. The Bible says that he ran off crying bitterly. He cried. It pained him to know I just denied him. Luke chapter 20, verses 60 through 62, it says, but Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. Basically meaning, I don't know him. Why are you saying I'm with him and I'm, I know him? I don't. Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Ooh. I just saw that in the spirit. Like the third time, somehow, some way, like their, their eyes lined up somehow. Like everybody kind of moved out the way just enough for him to look over and, Pete, and Jesus to look over like, thank you. <sighs> Can you feel that though? Can you feel the weight of that? It says, then Peter remembered the word of the Lord. That's when he remembered. How he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. He was so sad. The man he vowed, dude, I'm your ride or die. I am. Me. I'll be with you. Wherever you go, I go. You die, I die. They beat you, they beat me. Whatever weight you're lifting, I'll lift it. Whatever you're doing, I'll do. Whatever you say in ministry, I'll say it. Whatever you do in ministry, I'll do it. I'm with you to the end. I'll never leave you. I got you. That Peter is the one that denied him three times. Can I be honest with you? My husband doesn't have to keep telling me over and over and over and over again that he loves me. His actions prove that he loves me. And Peter had just faced denying Jesus three times and left him. I'm going to close. I also want to be honest about something else. I remember the last night I spent with my mom in the hospital room. I didn't know it was her last night. I didn't know. I thought she'd be 
here much longer. And I remember telling my dad, Papa, go ahead. Take the night off. Go home, get showered, get changed up. I'll stay with Mom. I had just finished the Leading Ladies Exhale Conference. I was tired. I feel like I was more tired spiritually, too. I was really just tired because ministry can take a lot out of you if you don't take the time to refuel. So I was really tired. I brought my laptop. I'm like, it's cool, Papa. I'm going to work on some stuff. I'll stay here with Mom. I'll see you in the morning. Papa left. All that night, Mom didn't sleep at all, all night. Taya kept calling me. Taya, so I was going to put my laptop down, walk over. Yes, Mom, what's up? What do you need? I'm cold. Are you cold? Mm, no, I'm not cold. Let me turn the heat on. No, no, it's fine because I'm not cold. Okay. All right, Mom. Get back over. Work on stuff. Call me again. Taya, Taya, yeah. Okay, yeah. What's up, Mom? What is it? I'm hot. Are you hot? Mm. No, I'm not hot. You want to turn the air on? No, no, it's fine. If you're not hot, I'm fine. Okay. I think it was the last time because I was a little, I was visibly irritated. I was irritated. One, because I kept having to get up and go over there, keep talking to her. Two, because I felt like, Mom, I feel like you're not fighting enough. I feel like we've been at this hospital too long. Like, you should be better by now. Why are you letting this happen? I didn't say it, but I felt it. But had I known that that was her last night, well, I, I would have done things differently. I would have said, yeah, Mom, whatever you want. Let me get you an extra blanket. Let me fan you, whatever you want. Let me sing you a song. I won't just pray. I'll sing to you. I'll do whatever you need because it's our last night. I didn't know. But the, I was left with the weight of that. I felt like I didn't do enough. I felt like I didn't say enough to her. I felt like I didn't serve her enough. Just like Peter. Peter was left with that. Peter was left with knowing that the last time he spent with Jesus, he denied him three times. How does that feel? Now what? I loved Jesus. I want, I'll do anything for him. That's what was in the core of him. But he didn't have the heart for the finish. He had the heart to start with Jesus. But the finish looked like that. And Peter's heart wasn't ready for that. Sometimes the finish is a lot different than what you think it is at the start. But when you have a heart for the finish, it says, I don't care what the finish looks like, I'm there. Why? Because I've taken the time to build my core. I'm not just lifting weight because everybody else is lifting it. No, I'm going to lift the weight that God gives me now. I'm going to deal with that first. And then when God's ready to lift, move me on to heavier weight, I'll lift that. I'll stay consistent in my reps. I'm going to check my form. Am I loving people? Am I being long-suffering with people? Is my form getting sloppy? Am I just going off on people, just doing whatever? Well, then my form's sloppy. I need to get, get my form right. Because the thing is that if you're lifting, your form is wrong and your core is weak, babe, you're bound to get hurt, and we won't ever see you again in church. We're like, what happened to sister so-and-so? Dude, her form was wrong. She was lifting weight because everybody else was doing it. She, had, she was sucked up with comparison, trying to do what everybody else did, and she got hurt. So Peter, he thought he had the finish in mind, but he really just had the start. Some people will start with you. Some people's like, dude, I got you. Pastor John, 
I got you. Whatever weight you're lifting, sir, I'm going to lift it. Because I got your back, sir. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to build this ministry with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to lift with you. I'm going to make sure you don't get tired. So I'll handle the little stuff. You move the weight. I'll handle the little stuff. I'm not you, Pastor John, but I'm going to work with you. And as I continue to watch your form, as I continue to watch how you're working out your webs, I'm going to get stronger. My core is going to get stronger. Let me tell you how good God is. God didn't leave Peter like that. Peter went back to Simon. Dude, Peter was so discouraged. I feel Peter because that's how I felt. That next morning when they said her blood pressure was so low, like literally mom wasn't here with me. She was faintly there, but she wasn't really there. But by that time, it was too late for me to tell her how much I love her. That mom, I'm, I'm here. I won't leave you. I'm like right here. You need me to sing something? You need me to pray? You need me to turn the air on? You need me to fan you? Dude, I'll do it. It was too late for that. But Peter got a second chance. The Bible says that Simon went back to being Simon. He was like, man, forget this. I felt like my whole years of following Jesus was a waste because I ended it with denying him. So what did he do? He went back fishing. He's like, forget it. I'm just going to go back to my old job. So he was fishing, and guess what? It was terrible. He didn't catch nothing. He didn't catch nothing, not one thing. It was pretty cool because some of the other disciples came with him. I believe they were all really down. I mean, they were in mourning. Their Lord, their teacher, their rabbi. Dude, everything seemed like it just ended wrong. So they were down. They were fishing. And then all of a sudden, there's a man on a beach. They don't know who the man is, but the man says, cast the net on the other side. And they did. And when they did, it was so full of fish, they could barely bring it in. And that's when John said, it said that John said, it's him. Let me tell you what Peter did. The Bible says that Peter put on his outer garment. And he jumped in the water and he swam over to Jesus. Here's the funny part. The Bible clearly says that they were like right there, like like, it could have been like, jump, jump, we're right here at the shore. But Peter being the soldier, the savage that he was, he put on his outer garment, which to me, it means a lot. The Bible says, for a spirit of heaviness, put on a garment of praise. I love the way Peter put on his outer garment to jump in the water. Peter was putting back on his reason to praise. Peter was putting back on his strength. Peter was putting back on that thing that was going to draw God closer to him. He says, I got a reason to praise him now. I've got a chance. There he is, right there on the shore. I've got a chance to tell him how much I love him. I got a chance to tell him how much I praise him and how much I'll, I'll serve him and how much I'll do whatever he wants me to do. I'll put my garment back on again because I took it off in my mourning, in my sadness, in my weakness, in me being down and distraught. I took it off. I took her off, man. I stopped praising. I stopped praying. I stopped reading my word. I was just done. But the Bible says Peter put on it, put it on his outer garment, and he jumped into the water, and he swam over, and he got there first. I believe that was important to Peter. I want to get to him first. <laughs> they that have been saved from much, they praise him more. You can always tell. You can look around the room during praise and worship. Who's pushing in the hardest? 
Man, who has their arm raised? Not because somebody's looking at them, not because of shape, form, or fashion, but I know what God saved me from. I know what God's done in my life. I want to praise him first. I want to worship him the hardest. I've been saved from much. Peter got there first. John 21, verses 15 through 17. It says this. So when they had eaten breakfast, they ate breakfast. They were literally like watching him. They were in awe. Nobody said nothing. They were just watching him. They were like. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah. I love that he called him Simon. You know what? Simon is the old name. He wasn't Simon anymore. He was Peter. But you know what? He was acting like Simon. He let Simon rise back up again. So Jesus spoke to Simon. He said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend to my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And the Bible says on the third time, Peter was grieved. I know what Peter was thinking. Peter was like, oh, he's asking me this because he knows I've let him down before. He's asking me this because he knows how I messed up before. He's asking me this because he, does, he doesn't feel like he can trust me anymore. I messed that up. That's what, science, that's what Peter was thinking. But he said, do you love me? The third time. Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? But he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. I think it's important that Jesus asked him three times. Because every time that Peter was faced with it in his mind, how many times he denied God, God said, I'm going to give you something new. I'm going to allow that. The reason why that rooster crowed is because it was a new beginning. Because now Peter realized, I can't do this without Jesus. Because before, Peter was me at week six. Dude, I got this. I'm week six. Whatever John's lifting, I'm lifting it. Why? Because this ain't week one. This is week six. That was Peter before. But when the rooster crowed, Peter was humble. Peter knew, man, I messed up. I can't do this without Jesus. Peter now had a new heart, a new core, a new passion. Jesus knew the same way Peter would deny him at his death, Peter was ready to now accept him at his resurrection. Peter now had a heart to finish because God gave him a new invitation. He said, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Tend to my church. Take care of my bride. Can you feed my kids? Can you serve at Elevate? Can you keep this thing together? Can you worship on my worship team? Can you talk to the women at my church? Can you talk to the strong men? Can you keep the strong men strong? Can you keep them focused? Can you tend to my sheep? Why? Because the local church is the light of the world. And Jesus is saying, look, I'm just letting you know I still want you for the job. I'm just trying to let you know that whatever mistake you've made is not too hard to count you out. I still got the position open for you, Peter. Peter, I haven't changed my mind about you. You were the, you were the rock then and you're the rock now. And I want to make you stronger, Peter. I want you to use your, your story of denying me. I want you to use your story of failing. I want you to use your story of letting me down saying, but I know a God who's great. He's full of grace. He's full of grace. He's long-suffering. He believes more in me than I believe in myself. He's like, Peter, that's what 
I want your testimony to be. Tell my people how I love them. Tell my people how I won't give up on them if they mess up. I don't care if they drop and they fall seven times. Seven times I am ready to restore them. Peter, tell them how much I love them. Sometimes can't nobody tell it like Peter can. Why? John was there the whole time, man. John was with Peter, with, with Jesus' mom. He was with him. He was right there at his feet. John, nobody can say that John left. John was there. But Peter has a different story. Peter has the story of the sinner that's fallen off. Peter has the story of the one who's messed up. Peter has the one who's been a drug addict. Peter has the one who's been a whoremonger. Peter has the one that's been dirty. Peter has the one that has a tainted testimony. But he's saying, but my God said he still wants me for the job. Something happens when you know how much God grace God has for you, how much love he has for you. Something changes when you know that the door and the invitation is still open to you, Simon, son of Jonah. So I'm asking you today, do you love him? Do you love him? Can you feed his sheep? Can you tend to his church? Can you keep the light of the world lit? Can you not allow this thing to fold? Can you cannot allow it to crumble? Can you hold up Pastor John's hands? Can you make sure he doesn't give up on his reps? Can you make sure he doesn't quit? Can you make sure that the doors of the church doesn't shut? Can you feed my sheep? Because if you can, I can use you. I can use your story. I can use your fall downs and your get back ups. I can use it for my glory. Let your passion to allow the glory of the Lord to be shown forth in your life. Let it be enough. Let that be your self-talk when you're tired and it feels like things are getting heavy and you feel like you can't lift it anymore and you feel like you can't put on the facade anymore and you feel like you can't hang with the best of them anymore. Let your self-talk be, may the glory of the Lord shine forth in my life. May it be in every rep, in every push, in every struggle, in every sweat that graces my brow. Let the glory of the Lord shine forth in my life. I will let that be enough. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. And if you would like to know more information about our church, please visit thebuildingcf.com or download our app on all major app stores and marketplaces. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day.